But then we just got really lucky in real life too. Like we just hit it off as human beings, and this is one of my best friends and role models today, which is something that somehow I like to say. Just, yeah, usually he reacts like a curmudgeon when I say that, but this time he reacted nicely. Um, so we start making out, and then we're making out, and we're making out, and we're making out, and we're making out, and it's going for a long time. And I remember we kind of stopped and we look, and Luca had just left. <laughs> so he just left us making out in the grass, and that was our only rehearsal for the film. Luca, is that what happened? <laughs> yeah. Sure. Everybody. Welcome to episode 19 of the Filmotomy podcast. I am your host, Big Al Robinson, a.k.a. The List Man. And uh, today is a, an interesting uh, day for our podcast because our um, two uh, other British regulars are not joining us today because over in England, it happens to be Mother's Day. Um, so we do not have Robin with us. We do not have B with us. But we do have Rob Motto from over in uh, Olympia, Washington. Hi there. And joining us for the first time today, we have Robert Daniels from Chicago, Illinois. Hey there. Um, okay, so uh, today we will be covering um, our just kind of reviewing what the Oscars did, you know, the ceremony itself, the winners. And then uh, we'll be discussing some of our upcoming most anticipated films of, of the year. Uh, so let's let's first get started then with the Oscars. So they were last Sunday, and they went on for like ten and a half hours. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but we had some really good winners. Um, so Robert, since you're joining us for the first time, why don't you uh, tell us your opinions first? Oh, my God. The Oscars were just about everyone who I wanted to win did win. I I was sad, though, that it was mostly um, predictable going in, that you knew most of the Oscar races were done going in. There were some surprises, like um, Best Documentary Feature with Faces and Places Not Winning, which I'm still throwing my laptop around for that, so... (laughs) Um, no, and I was just going to say, I, I think that everything was pretty predictable. Uh, I mean, there were a few things that, that w- weren't really nailed down, like the best documentary, maybe best foreign feature. Uh, I mean, there were a couple things that were kind of up in the air uh, going into the event, but I, I felt like for the most part, you know, we kind of knew who was who was favored to win at least. Um, I, th- I think the 
the best screenplay I thought was a little up in the air. You know, I thought that maybe three billboards could win it. Um, I knew that get out was, was a popular favorite as well. So that wasn't too surprising, but, um, it was, it was really good to see Jordan Peele win. Uh, it was really good to see Guillermo del Toro win, uh, after all of his creative endeavors. Uh, so it, and the shape of water winning best picture was nice to see as well. Oh yeah, exactly. Yeah. The shape of water was, I mean, it wasn't, shouldn't have been a surprise, but yet it still kind of felt like a surprise. Yeah, I was actually more surprised in the lead-up of, of the people not thinking that Shape of Water was going to win. I saw everything from, from Dunkirk to Get Out, two films I, I did not think, you know, had a chance of winning, considering the, the stats, and... I, uh, I when Shape of Water won, I was like, "Yeah, this is this is how it should be." <laughs> this was the obvious choice going in. Other than Three Billboards, Three Billboards was the only other film that I thought had a had a real shot at winning the whole thing. Right? Yeah, because yeah, if you look at the stats, if we're talking just Best Picture here, you know, of course, Shape of Water won the it won the uh, Directors Guild and it won the Producers Guild. And usually, those are dead giveaways that it's going to win. Um, you know, like. Birdman that year, mm-hmm. but the fact that um, three billboards won the Screen Actors Guild and seemed to have a lot of other support behind it, you know, it had support from the BAFTAs. It felt like that was on a roll, and it felt like it was ultimately coming down to Get Out versus Three Billboards. But we should have been knowing all along that really it was a three-way race between Get Out, Three Billboards, and our winner, The Shape of Water. And, uh... Yeah. <laughs> the, the only thing I didn't... The only reason I didn't, I didn't feel... I mean, I felt iffy about Get Out um, was the fact it didn't have an editing nom. It had, like... Um, it only had four nominations with one other possible win. You know, it had almost no below-the-line uh, nominations. So... Um, it was it was difficult to see get out winning, and then I was worried with three billboards because uh, it got on a roll with the Screen Actors Guild and and the Golden Globes, which are which are both um, no not not Screen Actors no Golden Globes and the Baptists. They got on a roll with both of those, and both of those are foreign guilds. And I'm like, uh, maybe 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 foreign guilds. It felt like this this best picture race was more regionalized than most. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. Uh, I think it was maybe Chris Tapley was pointing out that it, it seemed like uh, if you're on the East Coast, you're cheering for like the Shape of Water, and if you're on the West Coast, you're like Get Out or Call Me by Your Name. Oh my God, Call Me by Your Name, the <laughs> the film that. Was dead on arrival, unfortunately, for the Oscars. Yeah, um, one of my favorite, my like one of my favorite, uh, like c- critics, like wrote this really nice. Uh, he, he had this really nice write up about it months ago, saying how it was, you know, how he, you know he he was kind of disappointed a little bit by Moonlight last year, and and thought Call Me by Your Name was was a like a much better film, and he really thought it should have been like up there and Best Picture, and then doesn't it really doesn't get any kind of traction during award season, which is kind of unfortunate, but. Um, but yeah, no, I I was really happy that uh, the Oscars seemed to 
seem to honor a bunch of different types of movies. I feel like we kind of get bogged down in the same, like, okay, these are the ones that are kind of up. But depending on, you know, what, where your interests lie in cinema, it seemed like you could you could have a favorite that didn't get uh, spotlighted at all or, or one that, that was at the forefront of the conversation. So um, I think it was a really interesting year for diversity, for just different types of movies kind of getting that, that spotlight at the Academy Awards. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, especially when you look at the fact that, for instance, there wasn't one film that ran away with everything. Right. That yeah. they, it seemed like a lot of them were predictable, but it, it really, like, I mean, I think The Shape of Water won the most, and it only had four wins. Yeah. <laughs> Who's, how many, uh, La La Land was the big winner last year. How many wins did that have, if anyone knows offhand? <laughs> um... I want to say six. Yeah, that sounds about right. Six or seven, maybe. Um, yeah. For which movie? I'm sorry. For La La Land. For La La Land. Six. Oh, it was okay. six. Six Oscars last year was the uh, yeah. was the winning tally. Yep. Okay. Yeah, because you know it's funny because the last few years it always seems like you have sort of your tech favorite, like Gravity won a lot of Oscars, um, mm-hmm. and then like The Revenant. Right. And then you have yeah. your best picture winner, which doesn't seem to match anymore, you know. And of <laughs> course, a lot of that is because of that um, preferential ballot that everybody keeps uh, screwing up on because it's it's almost impossible to know how are they going to vote, you know, since they get to rank all the films, and we don't even know for sure that all the voters rank every film because maybe there are people that just leave stuff off because they haven't seen it yeah well that was true yeah i mean that was there were reports coming out leading up to the academy awards that you know there were some older uh academy members who were saying stuff like um you know get out is a b movie (laughs) i'm not gonna see that it's it's not a best picture nominee i mean just completely ridiculous things for people that like are supposed to watch movies as their like basic job requirements. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I think that you have some of that um, regardless, but I'm, I guess, I guess what I can say is I'm glad that like, you know, like they don't, I don't, I don't know how to word this basically, but we have all of this history, like all these years of like period pieces and like slow moving, like character stories. And it's like, those got honored. Like the English patient got honored. Like you can like, take take a moment to say okay people really love this movie there must be a reason let's let's watch it or something but you know yeah and and of course the whole thing with um the fact that there seems to be a growing um chasm between what like the fans like and what the oscars like exactly yeah you know that I mean, this was the second lowest rated uh, Oscar ceremony since like 2007, I think. And wow. you know, I, I really do think it's because we didn't have other big films like Wonder Woman or you know Guardians of the Galaxy or even like Star Wars. I mean, Star Wars is sure it was nominated for like visual effects, but mm-hmm. it wasn't mm-hmm. up there for best picture, right? You know, I mean, do you guys think it needs to be fixed, or do you think that they should just stick with the way they nominated films going forward? You know, like, I can't tell, because sometimes I think, yeah, I would love to see, like, a Wonder Woman or a Star Wars get in there, just to shake things up, 
But then it's like, well, what does that say about quality? I mean, and that's not to say that those two films, for instance, aren't quality, but it's like, are they the kind of quality that you'd have um, in a museum versus, like, you know, on the street? Right. Yeah, I, I mean, go ahead, Robert. I'm sorry. No, no, no problem. Yeah, I mean, you know, I I do think um, that I don't I don't know if it being you know having more blockbusters in it is gonna help that much. Just, I mean, I, just because like since we've expanded past the the usual five nominees, I'm pretty sure like the '09 kind of roster of best pictures is what the Academy was probably hoping for year in and year out, where you had the Hurt Locker, you had Avatar, you had Up. Um, yet in Glorious Bastards, which seemed more, I guess, like more mainstream movies. Now that I'm blowing up my own argument, <laughs> but, but of course, I mean, you, you really can't have that. I mean, you know, every single year, so you don't really want to sacrifice quality. Um, and then it's always weird, like you know, what is a quote-unquote best picture? Um, and I was, I was just now like the thought went through my head of, is Star Wars the quote-unquote best picture? <laughs> I don't know, you know. Um, but I, I I don't know if there was a movie like that this year that that could have been a mainstream movie. Maybe Logan could have been the one. I yeah. think, yeah, that could have been like a mainstream Best Picture nominee, and not many people would have raised an eyebrow about it. Right, or or you know, even dare I say something like a Blade Runner? Um, I mean, I know it wasn't huge in theater, but there are still a lot of fans out there. Ah, uh, that I will curse the day and <laughs> Blade Runner was not nominated for Best Picture. Uh, Blade Runner and, and the Florida Project were my 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 two snubs that will, will probably haunt the Academy for years to come that those two weren't weren't Best Picture uh, nominees. Yeah, and it's funny you yeah, you mentioned the Florida Project because I I you guys probably saw the poll that I put up on Twitter uh, I around Monday or Tuesday and I asked the question of. What was the best film of the year to not get a Best Picture nomination? And I, you know, I think my I had like four options. It was Blade Runner, it was BPM, it was oh. the Florida Project, and then it was Other. And I thought Other was going to do really well, but surprisingly, yeah. the majority of the votes were going to either Blade Runner or the Florida Project. So it, it definitely felt like at least the way that, um, you know, film Twitter works in a vacuum, that those two were definitely the ones that people wanted to see the most. But again, we're, th- we're thinking that the, you know, the ratings are more affected by like people, you know, throughout the whole country, not just, um, you know, the people that live in cities and on the East mm-hmm. coast or West coast. Yeah, uh, I think, and I think that 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 strategy, because um, they did that. I think the I'm trying to think the first year that they did it was 2008 or something. The ten they extended it to ten best picture nominees. It was, it was 2009. 2009. 2009. Okay, yeah, 2009. So, so I think that I think that that um, strategy is somewhat of a gimmick by the cat, like the the head of the academy, to sort of get ratings by potentially leaving room for. I guess you would call it blockbuster fair, um, which might not be fair to, to certain um, to certain movies. But uh, I think I think it is a sort of way to get. Oh, hey, maybe we'll get more viewers if you know more commercial fair is nominated. But what we've seen since that 
rule came into place is it's just more, you know, more of the, you know, either art house or or more like quality <laughs> based <laughs> narratives. I don't know how to otherwise word it um, without showing my, you know, my, my snobby nature. But um, <laughs> but yeah, I think that it's largely kind of a gimmick. And don't get me wrong, like. If if a movie's good enough, I think that it should be honored. Period. I love I love plenty of B movies. I love plenty of like just you know kind of over the top crime and horror movies. So I'm certainly not one to you know stick my nose up at something that's more commercial. But um, but yeah, I think yeah, I think the extending it to that number and and kind of expecting um, you know those kind of fandom movies to 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 get uh, notice is a little. Uh, I don't know. I, I just don't think it would. It's going to end up happening, or has happened. But right. Well, let's um, let's let's talk about some of the other winners uh, that uh, happened uh, that shook things up, and I think got people sure. really excited. So obviously, we can start with the fact that Jordan Peele won original screenplay for Get Out, mm-hmm. uh, which was just a phenomenal win. Yeah, and you could tell like the the audience went absolutely crazy. Yeah. Uh, they were so excited. And, you know, that was the best screenplay of the five for sure. And I think that everybody would have been up in arms had three billboards won. Oh, my God. <laughs> I, I would have been one of them had been the screenplay that I was not remotely a big fan of. Um, but Jordan Peele winning that, that was just one for the historical nature of it. And even though uh, Barry Jenkins took home adapted screenplay last year, here, Jordan Peele is the first African American to win original screenplay. Um, we're still pulling for him for the best director. See if he can get the upset against Guillermo, but we'll have to wait for that other Oscar staff to fall. Right. You know, and I really thought, for instance, back in 2013, I mean, we knew that going into the Oscar night that Quaron was going to win for Gravity, but just the fact that they went for 12 Years a Slave for Best Picture. Part of me kind of thought they should have just lined up with Steve. Yeah, same. I I still think um, Steve McQueen probably should have won, and I I still think Barry Jenkins should have won. And even though I mean Damien did it, Damien Chazelle did a really like I mean fantastic job on La La Land. I I thought that should have lined up too, and that that probably would have made the uh, uh, that probably would have made the end of the ceremony last year a little bit less surprising. <laughs> Right. Yeah, boy, that was just... I'm just glad that didn't happen. Mm-hmm. And and the fact that they brought Warren Beatty and Faye Dunaway back and they were able yeah. to rectify <laughs> what happened last year. <laughs> oh, man. I also think that the, the Oscar ratings might have suffered from there not being two clear front runners, where last year was clearly either Moonlight or La La Land, whereas this year was kind of, kind of scattered. I, I feel like conflict makes the best ratings. You know, that's yeah. a that's an interesting point. Uh, I hadn't even thought about that, but yeah, the fact that going in, like we nobody knew, and I think I think you're right in the fact that like people want to watch if they know it's going to be between something, you know, like a rivalry. Mm-hmm. But if it's completely wide open. They're not necessarily going to to latch on to anything in particular, and then they sort of lose interest. Yeah, I mean, the it's interesting to look at like award season and, and compare it to sort of like 
you know, like competitive sports or something because, uh, but, it, but, it, you know, as much as we all know, as lovers of movies, it's completely subjective. It's so, it's so impossible to compare one movie to another and say, well, this is better. Well, it's like, well, what does that mean better? You know, like what is, what does that entail? But, um, I think that we, we all kind of get into that sort of competitive because we all have our favorites. We all have our movies that, you know, sort of instill something in us that make us feel that way, that make us, you know, passionate about them. So I, I like it a lot. I love, I love the Academy Awards for that reason, because, you know, we can kind of all come together and be appreciative of like the, that year's, you know, hopefully they're the best work that was done. Um, but I, I I love the fact that Jordan Peele won because I fo- I've actually followed him since I was a little kid because I've loved like comedy so I've watched Mad TV and I've watched Key and Peele <laughs> it's like oh wait that that guy's directing and he's like awesome and he's doing you know he's doing it and he's live you know kind of doing his dream kind of thing is just kind of awesome to see so um yeah it was great to see him win I did want three billboards to win full disclosure but that's you know. <laughs> That's me. Are you talking about for screenplay or for picture? Uh, for screenplay. Oh, okay, okay. Um, and, well, and then of course the other big winner of the night was uh, we finally got to see Roger Deakins take it home for yeah. his uh, absolutely phenomenal work with Blade Runner twenty forty. And you know, I really feel like this year there was no other main petition. I mean, I know we kind of thought, well, maybe. Shape Water with Dan Lauston could give him a run for his money, or even Hoyte Van Hoytema for Dunkirk. But I, they they absolutely made the right pick with Roger Deakins. And, they, I mean, he should have won, you know, uh, already. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Yeah. this guy, you know, he shot um, Fargo, and he shot No Country for Old Men, and he shot the, the number one film rated on IMDb with the, um, the Shawshank Redemption. <laughs> I mean, how, how can somebody have that kind of career and not win an Oscar? <laughs> it just boggles my mind that that's that you know even lasted till this year. Well, I watched The Big Lebowski this week, which he of course he did because the Coen Brothers work with him all the time, and I noticed that you know even in its limited kind of storytelling, it's it's this beautiful film. I mean the that that one of the first opening shots of like being in that Ralph's coming up to, to um, I'm sorry, coming up to not Jeff Daniels, <laughs> Jeff Bridges. Thank you. Jeff Bridges, <laughs> um, you know, getting his like cream and whatever at that weird angle. And like, it, it's just it, every, like that movie is beautifully shot and it's not necessarily like set up for that. It's kind of like a, you know, this kind of down dirty hippie detective silly movie, but yeah. Um, I think he just does a great job, even with even with stuff that is doesn't doesn't you know lend itself to that grand grandiose visual nature, right? Like the playfulness that he has with the camera and right. what you can see that he's shooting. Yeah, like yeah, I mean, like even like uh, shots that you wouldn't necessarily think of, like when he gets into the back seat of the car and he's like. Hey, you know, I got a drink here. You know, be careful. <laughs> Watch the beverage. <laughs> Watch man. the beverage, yeah. man. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm still. Uh, I'm still in shock that Roger Deakins didn't win um, when he was nominated for Skyfall. That was the year I thought, in, in, in uh, 2013 when he was nominated. Because I, you know, I thought since Skyfall, that talk about a mainstream movie that could have been a, a Best Picture nominee. Mm-hmm. Um, 
when I, I thought when they got snubbed that possibly they might see, you know, poor Roger Deakins, who at that time was just a, a young over over nine. I didn't say <laughs> shoot him one. <laughs> yeah, Skyfall. What a gorgeous film that is. Um, now I think that year went to uh, Life Pi, right? Which I mean, obviously, I mean, Life Pi is Life Pi. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's hard, but yeah, I mean, Skyfall. I would say Skyfall might be the best shot Bond film ever. Um, yeah, and yeah. Sure. I, I I think you're you're right, uh, Robert. That like Skyfall probably should have been nominated for Best Picture as well, you know. And that's just one of those things. Like I hate the fact that they they generally don't get a tenth in. There. It just bugs me so much because it's like some of my favorite films get snubbed, and they they had one more slot they could have gotten in. Yeah, I don't. There's so many films that could have made that tenth slot this year, whether it was you know Mudbound or or um, or Blade Runner twenty forty nine or the Florida Project or even I Tanya film I really loved yeah and I thought I Tanya was going to get in because it seemed strong heading in to the nominations period but for some reason you know and it's funny because I thought well maybe they were thinking it was too crass and too uh, similar to Three Billboards yeah that's you know that is. I think that's why everyone was really shaky about the um, the best supporting actress category. That was the only one that it didn't feel like it was a complete. Even though it, everything should have told us that Allison Janney was going to win it, you know there were still still like people like me who who went for the upset pick of Laurie Metcalf um, just on the the strength of the nominations that each uh, respective film got. Yeah, and Laurie Metcalf. I mean. We can agree, right? She was the better performance? Yes, slightly. <laughs> right, yeah. I mean, they were both terrific. But, yeah, I mean, I mean I just, you know... Oh, no, go ahead. No, no, no. I was just going to say real quick, um, I we've talked about this a little bit before, I think, on the podcast, where I, I even said, I think that Allison Janney's performance is just so, on the surface, it's so big. It's mm-hmm. so it's so loud. And I love... Don't get me wrong, I love it. Um, but Laurie Metcalf's performance is sort of, I mean, there's a lot more you have to kind of read into. There's a lot more you have to sort of grasp uh, that, that's being felt by the character. Uh, you know, because Alison Janney's character is just a verbally abusive, you know, frankly terrible mother. You know, So it's right. just like you, there's a lot more there to sort of grab you, I think. And, uh, you know, I love both. I think that both gave really, really good performances, and I feel like both should be honored in some way. So, but uh, it's it's so hard for me to say this this was better than the other though, because I really I love Allison Janney. Maybe it's just a personal bias on my part. Well, she you know, I, no. Go ahead, Robert. Yeah, I mean, uh, I like I Tanya was one of my five favorite films of the year. So, mm-hmm. you know. As much as I love, love, love Allison Janney, I mean, and I really do think she had a fantastic performance. I, you know, I do think Laurie Metcalf had a little bit, you know, little, little bit better of a performance. Um, you know, then again, like I, I was probably the only person in the world like rooting for Mark Rylance when he won <laughs> for Bridges Spies. You know, I, I like quiet, kind of nuanced performances, mm-hmm. and it feels like the Oscars. I mean, usually go go with the bigger, you know. Um, um, more surface level performance. Yeah, not yeah. that surface level is bad, but 
it, the the more nuanced, the more kind of the digger you have to, you know, the deeper you have to dig, I should say. Uh, it feels like the less Os- the Oscar voters are willing to vote for, probably because it requires more time. But right, right. Well, and I actually, uh, I picked Mark Rylance because I saw Bridge of Spies just before, and I was like, this guy's going to win. Like, he's going to win, you know, just like on a on a hunch, and it was like, oh, he did. Oh, he won. Okay. So. Yeah, I thought just, I I thought based on performance alone, I, I remember watching the Oscars with my girlfriend at the time, and I was like, you know, I know everyone's saying Stallone's probably going to win, but like. If they're going on performance alone, it would be Mark Rylance. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was every time he kept looking up and saying something like, wasn't his catchphrase, would it make you feel better? Right. Yeah, would it help? <laughs> or yeah. would it help? Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. Tom Hanks is like, don't you ever worry about anything? And he's like, would it help? <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a good moment. Yeah. Um. So I think the only other thing that I kind of wanted to mention for the Oscars was just um, I really kind of enjoyed the jet ski stuff. I thought that was hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought it was also, funny. Yeah. And I really, really liked um, when Tiffany Haddish and Maya Rudolph were up there presenting. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. They were so funny. Yeah. You know, I, I do really. I think there, there's about two things the Oscars need one i feel like they need to get and jimmy kimmel did a good job last year i don't, I don't know if anyone really wanted to see him again this year though. Yeah. um but you know they, they, lately they've been they've been getting a lot of the the more scripted hosts and i feel like the the mood just completely um changed whenever a, a comedian a stand-up comedian came on stage whether that was you know Chappelle or someone like that i think they need someone like that as the Oscar host next year. And then they also probably need to, I, I've been talking with some people on Twitter about this, about them possibly needing to cut the best original song so that we don't have to sit through five really cringy performances (laughs) of the best original song. Yes. Amen to that. I I've been saying that forever. I don't know why they have them in there. It, It just takes up too much time. Yeah, it's like a you know the that whole category is such a holdover from like you know the 1940s when like musicals reigned supreme and and yeah. it made sense to have a best original song category. But you know, God, how, who can think of like the last like best original song? You're like, oh my, I want to see that performed at the Oscars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean. I don't even notice song most of the time when I'm watching a film. Unless it's something that they play over and over and over again. <laughs> yeah, and I think that score is much more um, powerful in terms of like using music to get get a certain feeling evoked, or you know, to to be to use effectively, basically, um, you know, to tell your story. I think that score is much more impactful than you know choosing a or you know what I'm saying, writing a, a song to sort of. Um, place throughout or at specific parts but i think the the idea is the same but it's a little mm-hmm. bit more commercial because i mean like score is i feel like that's there's a you know sort of a classical form of i don't know music making <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely plus i mean with score you know there's so many different styles that they have yeah 
from piano yeah. playing to the strings to even, um, you know, like horns and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and you notice too. There's like, there's like, I swear, six or seven composers in Hollywood that like are working on every film. I mean, not, <laughs> not exactly, but <laughs> yeah, the it, same it names does seem come like up. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's always like it's either Thomas Newman or it's right. it, it's like yeah, Desplat or it's Zimmer, Hans Zimmer, yeah, John yeah. Williams, John Williams, <laughs> yeah, Joe. <laughs> Who John Williams has now said, please stop sending me Star Wars stuff. <laughs> I do not want to touch another Star Wars film so, again. So is it I mean, possible then that he's not going to do Episode Nine? He said he is going to do Episode Nine. I think he's Episode Nine's his last. Oh, okay, okay. Because yeah, yeah it, it Episode would seem, Nine is last. It, that would seem almost wrong if he didn't do Episode Nine. Yeah, <laughs> like quitter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Although, wait a minute. Did, what? What? Wasn't there? Um, Michael Giacchino did one of the. Did he do Rogue One? I think he. Yeah. I, I think Giacchino might have done Rogue One. Um, and he only had like a month and a half to do the. Oh, oh was, yeah, he did it. Yeah. yeah, it was fast. Like I think they had had a different composer, and it wasn't working out. They didn't like the music, and it didn't seem to match the tone. And then Michael Giacchino, and they're like, "Yeah, you don't have very long, but can you do it?" And he's like, "Uh." Well, okay, sure. <laughs> All right, well, um, is there anything else you guys wanted to say about the Oscars? Um, the, the, only, the only thing I want to say about the Oscars is can we not have I – mean, can we just take a little bit of a break from Meryl Streep and <laughs> Denzel? <laughs> like, and I love both. I love both. But there's no way – well, maybe maybe Mary Street this year, but there's no way that no way Denzel should have been nominated for whatever that was that he was nominated for. <laughs> yeah. yeah, nobody even saw it. Um, I I really think that Jake Gyllenhaal should have been. Yeah, I thought um, yeah Jake Gyllenhaal for Stronger or Robert Pattinson for Good Time. Yeah, thank nice. you. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, Good Time. But uh, yeah, the two really great performances. But, you know, I mean, that's just how the Oscars are. Usually you can agree with about three and a half of the five nominees. <laughs> yeah, I um, I would have really liked to see Vicky Kreps win or get nominated instead of Meryl Streep. Mm-hmm. Um, I, the, there are so many amazing female performances this year. I was just like the best supporting actress category and the best actress category were just so filled with with amazing performances and talent. Um, I I was really happy to see Frances McDormand get, uh, you know, give her speech. Um, unfortunately, she got her Oscar stolen then, and but then it yeah. was safely returned. Yeah, wasn't that <laughs> ridiculous? That was so bizarre. That guy is such an asshole. Like, I, I yeah. mean, I know he was joking. He's like, oh, look at me. I, I got an Oscar here. I won. Oh, God. I just want to, like, I just want to pull back and just punch him right in the nose. Like, yeah, how dare yeah. you, you know, she, she won this, she, you know, and then you just, on Oscar night, you go and steal that from her? Yeah. Oh, man. I mean, it's like, if you want to steal something and pretend that you're really cool, I don't know, go to a gas station, but don't steal an Oscar. Seriously. <laughs> <laughs> Who's bragging about stealing something from a gas station? <laughs> well, 
<laughs> yeah, that's true. There's nothing really cool that you can steal from a gas station. Let's just straight and up I, steal like a, a gas pump. <laughs> I stole this. I stole this laminated. <laughs> <laughs> right. Or if it's like Baby Driver, you steal like thirty packs of gum. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, well, let's move on then to um, talking about our favorite, or uh, not favorite. Let's let's move on to talking about our um, most anticipated upcoming films of the year. Uh, now that the Oscars are over, and we can stop thinking about films like Shape Water and Three Billboards, and we can start <laughs> thinking about things like uh, Avengers: Infinity War. And Deadpool 2 and stuff like that. Um, so, you know, I was looking through... Usually I use Box Office Mojo as a guide. And then what mm-hmm. I'll do is I'll compare release dates on IMDb to see if, if they, they match. Um, and, you know, it's, it's funny, too, because by, by this time of the year, we already know a good chunk of stuff that's going to come out. Or at least mm-hmm. uh, names have been thrown out, like this director's got something in the works, or this film, you know, this tentpole movie's coming out this this year. And um, but you know, there's a, a lot of stuff that looking through, it's just it's a it's a title I don't know anything, and so it's hard to get excited for stuff that I I've never even heard of. Um, yeah. And a lot of these things are going to be coming out wide, and it's like, oh, they must be something. <laughs> right but when i was like the other night when i was looking through like specifically just the summer i could only find about two movies per month that i was like legitimately excited for and i know that it's going to they're obviously going to start filling in as we get closer to release dates but uh what sticks out for you guys um you know like it and not just for the summer, but for the whole year, as for stuff that is being talked about. So, like, for instance, um, you know, Steve McQueen's got Widows out this year. Oh, yes, yes. Steve oh, McQueen's yeah. um, new film. Barry Jenkins, if Beale Street could talk, uh, could be really, really good, because it's Barry Jenkins. Um, one that I'm looking forward to is, is Mary Queen of Scots, which is supposed to be coming out in November. Yeah, and that's starring um, Saoirse Ronan, right? Yeah, Ronan and Margot Robbie. By the way, how cool that. is that? Like, they were they were competitors at the Oscars, and now they're going to be in the same film together. Yeah, and the whole I mean, the whole cast uh, is filling out pretty well. I don't know if either of you guys are Doctor Who fans, but uh, David Tennant's supposed to be in there, okay. and then uh, Guy Pearce too. Oh, nice. Yeah, I've I've never actually seen an episode of Doctor Who, but I've been meaning to. Um, sorry. Uh, I, I, I personally have never watched the show, but, um, I've heard good things, especially from Bianca. So I need, I didn't know Bianca was a Doctor Who fan. (laughs) I just feel like, okay. And maybe I'm just assuming here, which is not, I know not a good thing, but I just assume that she's because she's from England. She's just more used to the BBC than we are, but I don't know. Maybe, who knows? Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now the funny thing is, like, yes, that's that's probably true. Uh, yeah. I know on my on my cable package, uh, I have BBC, but I I, I never watch it. Um, yeah. You know, in fact, I got like over a hundred channels, and I only watch like seven of them. 
Right. There you go. <laughs> um, just just real quick. Uh, so I there's a couple of movies uh, that I have I'm really looking forward to, and most of them are actually coming out here in the springtime. Um, I just saw uh, a movie called Thoroughbreds with uh, let's see here with Olivia Cook and Anya Joy Taylor. Um, kind of about these like two friends who corrupt each other and like are like basically plan the murder of one of their step parents and it's dark but it's funny and it's like it's lots of satire lots you know lots of sort of you know um waspy references of like you know connecticut and that kind of stuff um i've i watched annihilation which was the big science fiction kind of epic movie alex garland released um it was a bit of a mess <laughs> it was a little <laughs> it was it was definitely um some you know something that he was like swinging for the fences on it was definitely something uh grandiose and a big vision but i'm just not sure that it gets uh, pulled off very well um i think it's going to be a lot of a lot similar to the reactions to mother <laughs> or last year where people were like either i really really like this or what is this so mm-hmm. i think it'll it'll be pretty divisive um and then uh, Joaquin Phoenix is coming out with a movie, uh, You Were Never Really Here, which looks like kind of an updating on Taxi Driver. <laughs> so um, I'm really interested in kind of checking that out and seeing how well that does. Lynn Ramsey is directing it, who um, you know, did There's some There's Something the Matter with Kevin and has done uh, quite a few um, movies that have been pretty visually impressive. So I'm definitely looking forward to those titles. Nice. Yeah, um... One that I was thinking about, probably that's at the top of my list right now to see, mm-hmm. is on October 12th, um, we're going to get the next Damien Chazelle film um, about uh, Neil Armstrong landing on the moon. Mm. First man. Super mm-hmm. duper excited for that. Um, and then also coming out in December, and I'm, oh God, like... On the surface, I'm very, very, very excited for it. Like, it could be my number one film of the year. But at the same time, I'm a little worried because of what's already happened, and that is Bohemian Rhapsody. Oh, with Brian Singer. Yeah. (laughs) You know, because it was... Yeah, yeah, uh, Brian Singer directed the majority of the film, and then he disappeared... You know, and then uh, they put, but see, here's why I'm getting excited again. It's because they brought on Dexter Fletcher to, to finish it. And Dexter mm-hmm. Fletcher may not be a household name, but he did um, one of my favorite movies of, of 2016, which was Eddie the Eagle. Okay. And have you, either of you guys seen that? I haven't. No, I haven't. Okay. Yeah, Eddie the Eagle with Taron Edgerton, who was, of course, um, the lead guy in Kingsman. Mm-hmm. And Eddie the Eagle, like, it's about this um, this guy who wants to be on the uh, he wants to be on the British ski team, and they don't have a ski jump or a ski jumping team. And he he's really bad, but he barely qualifies. And at the Olympics. He makes a fool of himself, but he ends up becoming like a folk hero. And so that just gets me excited that uh, Dexter Fletcher is coming on now to finish Bohemian Rhapsody because I, I am a huge fan of Queen. And, you know, seeing uh, some of the, the stills with Rami Malik playing Freddie Mercury just has me so excited. 
Um, and of course, you know, it's it's probably going to be a musical, but it's, it's hard to tell because, you know, The Doors, it was sort of a musical, but it was sort of not a musical at the same time. And it's hard to know what, you know, these types of, you know, like biopics about these musicians and what, you know, are they going full musical or are they going to be more of like mostly dialogue with just, you know, like concert performances thrown in. Right. Right, like a biopic almost, where you're kind of just being shown their life with, you know, the little musical interludes. Yeah, kind of like um, Walk the Line from James Mangold. Yeah, Um, and then one more, just real quick, one more movie that I definitely want to put out there is Tully, which is the new movie from Jason Reitman. Um, So he did, you know, Thank You for Smoking and Up in the Air and um, Juno, uh, Young Adult. Um, but it's going to have Charlize Theron in it as kind of like a, a mom who has two, he has her hands full basically. But I just really like, um, I just really like Jason Reitman as a director and I think he really does good films and I'm always looking forward to when, when he has a release coming out. Yeah, no, that's a good mention. I, I think I saw the, the teaser for it and yeah, it, it, it looks cool. Um, and, 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 you know, staying on the topic of Jason Reitman, he also has another one coming out this fall that I'm oh. really excited about called The Front Runner. Okay. Mm-hmm. And um, hold on, I'm going to look up uh, who it's about. I forget the guy's name, but it was about this politician running for office back in the late 80s. Um, yeah, okay, it was about, uh, no, yeah. Okay, what it says here is it's American Senator Gary Hart's presidential campaign in 1988. Mm. And, and he gets caught up in a uh, scandalous love affair. And huh. playing Gary Hart is Hugh Jackman. Wow. In fact, this has a pretty good cast. It's got Hugh Jackman. It's got Vera Farmiga. It's got J.K. Simmons. Mm-hmm. It's funny because it was like in Tully. That's the first one where J.K. Simmons is not in the cast, and so the first one after it, he has him back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Bill Burr. Bill Burr is randomly in here. I love it as George yeah. McGovern. Bill Burr is <laughs> hilarious. I love him. Yeah, he's great. <laughs> I think I saw him on this show called um, uh, the, where these two guys go to bars, like best bars in America or something, and they were mm-hmm. like they stopped in Los Angeles. I think uh, Bill Burr came in and had a drink with them. Um, so yeah, definitely excited for a double dose of Jason Reitman, especially because he kind of disappeared. Yeah, yeah, he did. He did some things, or I, I guess he just had a few missteps, or just movies that didn't come out the way he wanted them. Um, one of them I hadn't even heard of, like Men, Women, and Children, or something. Yeah, I with that. Adam Sandler. Yeah, yeah that one just kind of came and went. Um, and to a somewhat degree, so did Labor Day. Yeah, I heard that people had problems with it. I never got around to seeing it, but I probably will just because I love Jason Reitman. So. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, I mean, so, you know, also very excited, I mentioned it before, but very, very excited for Avengers Infinity War. I mean, this has been 10 years in the making. We're finally going to see everybody on screen at the same time. They, they, they just released a runtime, and it's going to be two hours and 36 minutes, which will make yeah. it the longest Marvel movie to this date. Um, just barely, though, beating uh, Captain America Civil War, which is basically uh, two characters shy of an Avengers movie. 
<laughs> right. No, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, and here's the funny part. So that was scheduled to come out May 4th, but now it's jumped up a week. So it's actually coming out at the end of April. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah, that's so, so weird that, that no one, no one at Marvel thought that doing a, uh, you know, random staggered release, you know, was going to be a problem. <laughs> would be like, hey, there's another country seen this movie like over a week before us. Yeah, well, you know, and the funny part is with that especially is the fact that the UK usually gets Marvel more movies before. Oh. And I don't understand why that is. Because even the Avengers, which was the highest, one of the highest grossing films of all time domestically, came out like in mid-April in 2012 which is so bizarre <laughs> you know i think it even had its premiere in late march or something um and then also really really excited for sicario 2 yeah oh yeah soldado uh now i'm disappointed that emily blunt's not coming back and i'm obviously disappointed that we're not it's not going to be directed by denis villeneuve but still judging from the trailer it looks like it's gonna be good and it looks like it's dark you know and that that just excites the hell out of me because it's like you know the first one was pretty dark as it was i mean especially near the end there with um the benicio del toro character but this one just seems unhinged and i just have to to catch up on the first sakari (laughs) oh you've never seen oh okay yeah i'm still it's it's one of those movies every day i'm like you know i'm gonna watch it and then like something something i end up watching something else (laughs) Mm-hmm. Now, yeah, I highly recommend Sicario. Um, yeah, I actually just saw it. I just saw it for the first time two weeks ago because I I was kind of obsessed with uh, Hell or High Water and as as well as this year's Wind River, oh, yeah. which were both I believe written by Taylor Sheridan, um, who who's who wrote Sicario and um, is going to write the, and wrote the sequel as well. Um, and I loved it. I absolutely was just like, okay, I'm sorry I missed this the year it came out because this is kind of just badass <laughs> and like yeah. it's dark and it's and it's like okay, this is everything that I want in a movie. All right, let's go. You know? And I think to be fair, I think Emily Blunt's character really was there to just show the sort of like we'll fuck with you. We don't care who you are. We don't care if you're on our side. We don't care if, you know, what you're doing, you know, like what your place in all of this is. If you're in our way, you, you know, uh, a casualty or whatever. But so mm-hmm. I, I can understand them not wanting to bring bring her back. So we, you can kind of go go into more of like a descent into that world. But we'll we'll, we'll see what ends up uh, happening with it. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. And, and, and the whole Emily Blunt thing, like I get the, the talk about, oh, you know, why did they have to make her character that way? But I right. I like the way that her character was actually, you know, because it's mm-hmm. like, you know, she she held her own for the majority of the film and right. just but you know, due to process and, and what she's allowed to know, they had to hold stuff from her. So exactly. if she just didn't know, and I mean I get like some people are like, Well, yeah, but that's the problem is that she didn't know and they were holding it from her. And therefore, she couldn't have done something ahead of time. But it's like, you know, when when you start creating plot holes and loopholes, it's like, eh, you know, it's dangerous territory. 
<laughs> but you're also, and I'm sorry, like, I hate to do this because it's just a personal interest of mine, but it's almost like, okay, but you're talking about intelligence agents. And if you look through history and if you read about certain events, you, you know that, oh, there's a precedence for them lying and not giving all the information. And, like, this yeah. is a thing that's ingrained in the CIA. Don't, please don't look into me, CIA. But, um, you know, this, <laughs> right. you know it's, it, they, they get involved in some tricky things. So um, I think that's part of it, too. Um, but, you know, that's just my, my own viewpoint on it. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I'm, I'm just looking at a list of uh, on IMDb of stuff that's going to be coming out this year or has already mm-hmm. come out. Yeah. And so I wanted to get your take on whether you guys are excited for some of these. Uh, are you guys excited for Ready Player One? Yes. No. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I feel like that that's a, that is a movie that like about two months ago there was like a lot of excitement for it, and now it feels like in the last like two weeks it's, it's been a lot of. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, I wonder does does that have anything to do with the mixed reaction to the post? Um, I mean, I'm lukewarm on Steven Spielberg, to be fair, um, so it's not his fault. But uh, you know, Ready Player One looks just looks like a you know a popcorn movie. Like, and th- yeah. th- don't get me wrong, there's nothing wrong with that. I personally just don't want to go and spend money on that kind of experience. But you know, that's just me. So I'm I'm not super interesting it. It doesn't mean it's not going to be good. Doesn't mean anything like you know who who knows. Um, but yeah, it's. Steven Spielberg, you know, trying trying something new, which, hey, I'd rather him do that than, you know, remake something he's already done, so. Right, yeah. yeah. Now, you said, Robert, that you are excited for Ready Player One. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm, I, you know I, I am going into this full well knowing that this is a complete nostalgia trip, and I am buckled in for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's going to be a lot of iconography. Yeah, this is going to be a, a lot. And then, you know, I'm just, I am just such a big fan of anything Mark Rylance is in. I just, oh, yeah. I love that man. <laughs> um, okay, so are you guys excited for uh, Wreck-It Ralph 2, Ralph Breaks the Internet? I have still never seen the first Wreck-It Ralph. <laughs> oh, okay. I I haven't either, and I, again, I tend to... Okay, I tend to skip like family or animated movies, just as a rule. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> I will say that the first Wreck-It Ralph was good because of the voiceover work from John C. Riley. Okay, mm-hmm. John, John C. Riley. John C. Riley, Riley actually, yeah, uh, possibly has a film coming out this year called uh, "The Sisters Brothers" with um, Joaquin Phoenix and Jake Gyllenhaal. Oh my okay. God, I'm sold already. I watched that. Yeah, that's a great cast. Yeah, it's supposed to be um, a western, actually. Wow. Okay. Oh, maybe I yeah, have I heard of this. That. Yeah. God, that sounds fantastic. Um, are you guys excited for this the, a solo for a Star Wars story? <sighs> no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so I'm so conf- I'm oh my god I don't know how to feel about this movie like I. I want to trust. I want to trust that Kathleen Kennedy and and Co know what they're doing. I mean, they haven't dis- technically they haven't disappointed me yet. You know, I I loved the Last Jedi. I loved um, um, Rogue One. 
and what they've been doing with the Star Wars universe. But God, there's been so much drama around that film. You, you, it's almost like how how can it be good at this point? <laughs> <laughs> I just I feel really bad for um, the two. Oh God, the duo, the guys who did uh, Lego Bat or Lego Movie and uh, Twenty Two Jump Street. Um, Chris, Phil Phil Lord and Christopher Miller. Who directed, mm-hmm. I mean, like, I, I mentioned how Brett, or um, almost said Brett Ratner, Brian Singer directed the majority of Bohemian Rhapsody, but I feel like uh, Phil Lord and Christopher Miller directed, like, 98% of Solo, and then they just tossed out a lot of it, and Ron Howard reshot a lot of stuff. <laughs> and that worries me. Because even with... Um, Rogue One, I, you know, I wasn't paying much attention to this before Rogue One came out, but the story behind that was that it, it had been mostly shot by Gareth Edwards, and then he was fired, and then they had to bring in somebody to finish it. Uh-huh. And, like, people talked about how you can really see the problems in the editing. You can see this, and that's, uh-huh. what, that's what really worries me even more so with Solo. You know, especially... Yeah. Because, like, yeah, Ron Howard's like, getting yeah. major credit for this. Yeah, and it doesn't feel like the, the I mean, the the lead is as accomplished as I would like either. <laughs> yeah. Well, I had heard that Alden Ehrenreich can't even act. Yeah, like, I've never wow. seen him in anything that I've liked. <laughs> that oh, oh you, didn't, you didn't like Hail Caesar? No, well, I did like Hail Caesar. I just wasn't, I guess I wasn't impressed by him. Oh, um, okay. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah, he was doing uh, that. I, I, I wasn't like, at that and thinking, Yeah, I wasn't I wasn't <laughs> looking at that and thinking, that is a that's a star right there. That is <laughs> that's the guy. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. Oh, that is completely fair. Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm worried. Um but you know, it might be good. Maybe it's just a good popcorn movie and sometimes I think that's all we can really expect. Uh now I am not at all looking forward to Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. That looks yeah. like terrible, terrible shit. <laughs> did you like the, um, the the one that came out a couple years ago? I the did. Jurassic World? Yeah, Jurassic, yeah, Jurassic World. I mean, it was at least fun. It was yeah. really stupid, but it was fun. I, I did not. I did not like Jurassic World. I came out of there like... The, no, <laughs> I don't want to see this again. Because <laughs> well, you get the you get the sort of nostalgia of the original, you know, the, seeing the old jeeps and seeing you know the sort of pageantry that's put in there was nice. But outside of that, it was just like, okay, I can we is it over yet? Is it done? Yeah. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> um, A Star Is Born is coming out at the end of the year, I think in October. Um, Bradley Cooper is directing and starring in it with Lady Gaga. Yeah, and, and I'm just like this is either going to be fucking great or it's going to be terrible. But it, there is no in between. <laughs> I'm more in the latter. I think. Yeah. Well, you know what? I can't say that for sure because we haven't. We don't know anything about it. But right. the fact that it's the fourth iteration just makes True. absolutely no sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like the one with Judy Garland, I think was the Ben James Mason, but that's that's me. I yeah, think that was out? the second version, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Who who's out there? Who's like what focus group did they have that said, <laughs> you know, people are craving 
a star is born for the fourth time. <laughs> well, I think it's, I actually think it is a great story, but trying to modernize it, I think is a mistake. And I think that's what they're doing is like, they're doing a rock star, star is born thing. Um, Cause it's a young singer and, and actress. I, so, you know, and I think they're doing that for Lady Gaga. So, like that to me is like a mistake because it's like the 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 vehicle for the you know for the performer instead of it being a re- kind of a real human story because mm-hmm. it is a heartbreaking story it is a really heartfelt like you know i i used to be something and now i'm nothing and this person has basically taken my spotlight and they're the person i love but you know the thing that drives me is my, is performing and being this artist and they've taken that you know it's this weird kind of uh commentary like they i love them but they're taking something away from me (laughs) weird obsessive kind of thing but anyway i'll uh i'll be quiet (laughs) oh no you're fine (laughs) i just started looking at the cast for this and i'm oh my god (laughs) bradley cooper sam elliott lady gaga dave chappelle andrew dice clay eddie griffin and I, I, I am all conflicted about this right now. Wait, the Eddie Griffin from, like, the early 2000s? Yes. Yes. Oh, my that God. That Eddie Griffin. I forgot yes. he existed. <laughs> wow. Um, so yes, I'm sure it'll be terrible, but, you know, it seems like that there, there might be an outside shot. It could be good. Yeah. Who knows though? Well, you know this. This is just one of those years where we're getting a lot more reboots, remakes. Um, they might all suck. It's hard to know. Uh, we're, I mean, yeah. we're getting an animated Spider-Man only because it's Sony, and they no longer own the rights to the live-action Spider-Man. So that's oh, their gosh. loophole. Yeah. We're it getting just seems petty. Yeah, we're getting yet <laughs> another Robin Hood. Oh yeah, the modern. <laughs> It's going to be terrible. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) We're getting a couple more rock movies. Like, we're getting Rampage and Skyscraper. I'm so down. I am so down. (laughs) I love love my my rock junk movies. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. He's become the new Arnold, so, you know. (laughs) Well, Robert, what did you think of San Andreas? Oh, my God. You know... I I watched the first hour of San Andreas and was completely enthralled. I, <laughs> and then right after that, I realized I'm watching San Andreas. <laughs> like, what the hell am I doing? Yeah. Yeah, it felt like a Roland Emmerich ripoff. Right? Um, you know, okay, one movie I definitely want to mention that I am really, really excited for as well. It comes out late September, and um, unfortunately, they're probably going to do it where it gets, like, you know, the stupid platform limited release. Yeah. Um, but, and, and the premise just sounds fantastic, and it's the follow-up to Joel Edgerton's The Gift, and it's called Boy Erased. Oh, yeah. and Hedges, right? Um, yeah. Yes. Hedges? Yeah, and Nicole Kidman. Russell and Crow. this sounds fantastic. It, so the premise is, it's the son of a Baptist preacher is forced to participate in a church-supported gay conversion program. And, that does sound fantastic. <laughs> yeah. 
And I, I really hope it subverts all the conservative uh, ideas out there and just, you know, makes makes this just look so heinous. You know, because that the whole idea of, oh, we need to fix uh, the gay in you, you know, that that's not allowed. That's not what the Bible says or wants. And it's just like that is such bullshit. Mm-hmm. You know, a person is who they are, you know. Yeah. I mean, you, you, don't, you don't get to choose if you want to be born a man or a woman. You don't get to choose what color you're born. You don't get to choose what country you're born in. You just are who you are. And the fact that people always want to, like, say, well, you, you can't be who you are, and we're going to change you and fix it. It's, oh, my God. So I'm so excited that Joel Edgerton is doing this. Did you guys like his previous one, The Gift? I don't think I've seen it. Um, yeah, I don't think I've seen it, it either. <laughs> oh, it is. Okay, so um, Joel Edgerton also plays a character called Gordo the Weirdo. <laughs> and he plays off of um, Jason Bateman. Uh-huh. Yeah. And basically, I think they were like people that went to high school together. And he starts hanging out a lot. Um, and they get sick and tired of him. And he kind of won't go away. It's kind of one of those. And it's really creepy. Huh. Oh, well, you know well, what? Well, now that you're mentioning it, it, it's ringing a bell. I remember seeing the trailer for it. I remember it like when it was coming out where this guy now won't go away. Yeah. And he was like their old high school like friend or something, and he just keeps showing up and he just keeps hanging around. Yep. I think it's I think it's something like along those lines, but yeah, it's I remember hearing pretty good things about it. I never got around to seeing it. Yeah. Alright, so if you guys could only see one movie in the summer, and then one movie this fall. Which ones are your first choices? So there's not much in the summer that I really want to see, so I'd probably just pick White Boy Rick, which is this, this uh, like true crime story of uh, this teenager who became an undercover informant for the FBI during the 80s um, and was you know, ultimately arrested for like drug trafficking and prison time. But um, So that's probably my one... My one fault, I don't know if that's summer, I guess, mm-hmm. uh, movie. Because there, there just didn't seem to be a whole lot in the summer that popped out at me. And then fall, um, probably it would end up going with Boy Erased. Because I just haven't seen anything jump out at me. Um, but yeah, those probably would be my choices for now. Without kind of looking too far ahead. Oh, those are good ones. Yeah, um, man, there really isn't much going on during the summer this year. Wow. <laughs> I don't think that one might really... And, hmm, maybe Ant... I liked the previous Ant-Man, but I don't know if I wanted a second one. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're always going to get a, a, a trilogy with every character now. Yeah, yeah. I I guess because because the long gap... I'll go, I'll go with The Incredibles, too. Even though I'm really disappointed that it's not set more into the future of, of the characters. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. That... Um... It, the first Incredibles was incredible, and so yeah, yeah it's it's gonna, be, it's it's gonna be exciting to see what they do. Uh, and then for fall, oh, man, I do really want to see Boy Erased. I I really love Lucas Hedges, um, but I'm gonna go with uh, I'll go with Mary Queen of Scots because I love Margot Robbie even more. <laughs> so, nice. he's a great picks, guys. Um, I think for me. Uh, immediately I think of, for the summer, I think of uh, Sicario 2, 
And, but I want to also throw out their uh, Crazy Rich Asians, which comes out August 17th. And it's, of course, about, you know, like you've seen those shows um, where the, the parents buy their kids the biggest birthday party they can. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is basically the plot of this movie. You know, it's like that MTV show. And uh, it, it stars um, the uh, Constance Wu uh, mm. from Fresh Off the Boat. So yeah, I'm 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 excited for that one as well. But yeah, right now Sicario Two stands out for me for the summer, and then um, in the fall, yeah, I think right now it's got to be First Man from. Mm-hmm. Just because, like, yeah, I've loved Whiplash and Lol, and uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm 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 keeping an eye out for Widows too. Like, as soon as we get trailers for these films, I'm just gonna be like, oh my god, I can't I cannot wait. Because yeah, widows and and uh, if Beale Street could talk, I think yes. this is this is probably going to be the. Uh, I'm 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 hoping this is the year that that breaks the no no African American director is one best director with Barry Jenkins and McQueen both coming out with new new stuff. Right, and you know the fact that uh, Ryan Coogler had such major success with Black Panther. Hmm. Um. You know, and I know some people are even saying. Let's get Black Panther nominated for Best Picture. That's going to be... That's going to be hard. <laughs> you know what? What's your over-under on, on, on for Academy Award nominations for Black Panther next year? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, if it, get, it, it could get a bunch of texts, right? Although I've heard that the um, visual effects are not that good. Um, mm. I don't think back to that now. But yeah, it could, you know, if they go for it, it could probably get five or six or seven, maybe, depending on. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah, maybe it could pick up for like, a, yeah. like an adapted screenplay the way that Logan picked up one last year. Yeah, I could see, I could see adapted. It's probably going to pick up a best original song for Kendrick. Um, it'll probably pick up a best costume. Um, oh, and yeah. Then yeah, maybe like a couple other couple other tech awards. So production probably about design. Five. Hmm? Production design, maybe. Yeah, pro- yeah, pro- I think production design. Yeah, too. Um, and just real quick, there is one more movie I want to recommend uh, that I'm definitely looking forward to. It's called Hold the Dark. It's uh, a movie by director Jeremy Saulnier, who is kind of oh, under the radar. Yeah. Guy. But yeah, yeah. Done, he did Blue Ruin and Green Room, which were both really fantastic, kind of like. Uh, crime movies, but, you know, kind of somewhat minimalist, but very beautiful, very well done. Um, but, yeah, it's this kind of movie where this uh, guy is hunting, like, wolves who are, like, suspected to have killed, like, three three children. And super dark kind of, like, uh, you know, wilderness movie. It was filmed in, like, uh, Canada and stars Alexander Skarsgård and... Um, just 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 a re- looks like a really good movie and really like it could maybe come out of nowhere to be a be one of the one of the better movies of the year. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, all right. no, no, go ahead. Yeah, and then one more one more recommendation. Since I don't I don't think we threw out an an A24 um, film yet, hmm. which is which is uh, you know usually they come out with one now it feels like, um, but Hot Summer Nights. Um, is coming out over the summer, and that's starring um, um, Timothy Chalamet. Oh, sweet! Okay. 
Yeah, having just finally seen Call Me By Your Name last weekend, uh, yeah, I'm definitely on board with Timothy Shelby. And then he plays he plays a completely like you know non caring douchebag in Lady Bird. Yeah, <laughs> <Yes>. that's right. <laughs> yeah, plays who, who only reads a, a People's History of a, of America, of which is States, one right. of the great inside jokes. <laughs> yeah, he was. It was hella tight. <laughs> right. I see that meme everywhere. Yeah. yeah, I just love love when Lady Bird walks up to him and she's like, "Well, if you don't." I'll kill your family. And he's like, what? And he goes, my mom's got cancer. Right. <laughs> <laughs> She's just like, oh, God. <laughs> yeah, it was so good. Oh, God, I love Lady Bird. I, I, I rewatched that the other day, and, you know, I put it at around six on my previous top ten, and my top ten is already changing some. Uh, yeah. Lady Bird might even be in my top five now. And you know what? For definitely, I think, because um, at the time that we did that, I hadn't seen I, Tanya and the and the Disaster Artist, and both those mm-hmm. jumped up into my top. Yeah. So I'm excited. I, I, I might, might just make the, uh, a list mania and do my uh, updated top ten, just because that would be pretty fun. Although, I mean, again, we're going to be doing a lot of Martin Scorsese over the next ten days, and... And, uh, yeah, it's funny to see, like, everybody clamoring for which film they want to write about. Uh, you know, uh, a lot of people are going to be wanting to do, like, Goodfellas and uh, Raging Bull and Taxi Driver, of course. Well, I mean, Goodfellas is just, such, like, that movie is, like, I saw it when I was seven on VHS. Oh, wow. Just, like, you saw it was, when you were seven? Yeah, I was seven. And just wow. that opening scene when they're driving down the highway and you hear the sound coming from the trunk. And it's just like, from there, it's just like this amazed, amazing journey into this world. It's like, this is this is real? Like, this is, you know? This, yeah. People, you know, this, well, this is someone's life, basically. So, um, I, but I, I, you know, I said, you know what? Whoever wants Goodfellas, take it. I'm I'm letting it go, even though I want to like do a complete like five thousand word like breakdown on it. But um, <laughs> I love I, Martin Scorsese is actually my favorite living director, and so there are so many of his movies that I could literally write about. Um, but yeah, I he he definitely is a favorite of mine, and I'm really looking forward to The Irishman coming out in 2019. Yes. So, you know, I I man, I have a confession to make. I am not a big Goodfellas fan. <laughs> okay. I've 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 tried to get into it a couple of times. I actually much uh, prefer Casino to, mm. to Goodfellas. Goodfellas. You know that Casino's great too. Um, and Sharon Stone probably gave her career best performance. Yeah, I just well, think Casino is just a, a more tightly structured film than than Goodfellas. Goodfellas kind of stretches on for a tad too long, but. Mm-hmm. Um, Casino just has uh, so so many like it's like just the right balance of of, of violence and, and crappy human behavior. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I actually um, just real quick. I just oh, yeah. I feel um, I feel the same actually, but but in in the opposite order. I ever since I watched Casino, and maybe it's because I, I started watching it on TV with commercial breaks, <laughs> with like the three hour runtime. Um, it was just like, man, this just goes on forever. And man, there are really entertaining scenes throughout. And this music is, is beautiful. Um, 
like he Martin Scorsese actually uses the same music from Contempt that Jean Luc Godard uses to, oh. to like, he, he places it throughout the movie. It's not constant, but it's at the end of the movie, and it's at like when he and uh, Robert De Niro's and Sharon Stone's characters like really butting heads. He he plays it, and it's that sort of a haunting score from Contempt, and it was just like holy crap! I am watching a like master like you know cinema lover basically and you know learning about him teaching in the 60s before he ever made things like taxi driver and so it's like mm-hmm. this guy is this guy's incredible so um i love casino now i have more of an appreciation for it um but uh but sharon stone's like performance in that when the the first couple times i watched it it was like okay this seems over the top and crazy and then it was just like no that's the character like that's the yeah. that's ginger. <laughs> like that's the character she's playing. So I, I I've definitely come around to saying like, it's just a brilliant performance by her. Yeah. Oh yeah. Definitely. I didn't she have something like a, a wig on or something? I remember like her hair was falling over her face. Or might yeah, she's she, a mess. In yeah. That movie. Yeah. She's like high on cocaine, pills, and <laughs> yeah, it's all kinds of crazy stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, okay, so we should probably get, uh, uh, wrap this up. Um, yep. <laughs> well, again, so but first, thank you guys for joining me today. Uh, mm-hmm, of course. Uh, Rob, thanks for coming again. And, uh, Robert, it was good to, to talk to you. This is great. Yeah, it was. It was great. It was great talking to you guys, too. To the listeners out there, um, I'm going to leave you with this. Um, the best movie of the year will be Uncle Drew. The story of, of <laughs> Kyrie Irving's fake uh, tele- commercial character. <laughs> oh, there you my. go. <laughs> Is this the real life? Is this just fantasy? Caught in a landslide, no escape from reality.
shivers down my spine Body's aching all the time Goodbye, everybody And 